is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is most certainly true. Jesus is alive and death is dead. His tomb is empty and our hearts are full. His promises are fulfilled. The victory has been won. Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. From the book of the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 3, the Apostle Peter offers a clear testimony of Jesus' mission. This portion of scripture is the basis for the sermon today. While the man whom Peter and John had healed held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Recently, someone said to me, Easter's my favorite holiday. I like it even better than Christmas because spring is in the air, grass is starting to turn green, birds are chirping, families get dressed up, head to church and gather for a nice meal. I can understand why a person would say that, but the reality is that it doesn't take long after Easter for Relatives to return home, people get back to work, kids get back to school, leftovers get eaten, and nice clothes get packed away. If we consider Easter just to be one single wonderful day in spring, then we are missing the boat. The Apostle Peter puts his finger on it today. Sometime after our Lord's resurrection, the Bible tells us that Peter and John went up to the temple at the time of prayer and there they healed a beggar who had been crippled his entire life. And then, we're going to explore now, 
And if you'd like to follow along, you may. Today's first reading from Acts chapter 3. It's printed for you in the service folder. Acts chapter 3. I read it at the lectern earlier. We're going to track through it verse by verse. And then, after healing this beggar at the temple gate, in verse 11 there, chapter 3 of Acts, all the people were astonished and came running to them at the place called Solomon's Colonnade. At that point, Peter then addressed this crowd that had gathered, helping them to understand and helping us to understand that Easter is not just one fun day in spring, but Easter goes on and on. The facts are here. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers. By the way, let me just interject. Do you notice that he's talking about people who had lived some time ago, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as though they are still living? Well, they are. Thanks to Jesus, they are alive with God in heaven. And Peter goes on, This same God has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. Peter stuck in the knife and twisted it. You, you, you handed Jesus over, disowned him, asked for a murder, killed the author of life. But Peter then pulled out the knife and healed the wound by pointing to a miracle greater than the healing of that crippled beggar. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Doesn't the first part of that sentence strike you as a bit odd? You killed the author of life. How could the author of life be killed? But it happened. Picture our relationship with Jesus and with our God like one of those old-fashioned two-sided scales, kind of put in stone on the side of a courtroom. We're on one side of the scale, and we want to rise up to live with God. But every single one of our sins, do I need to make a list? Every little piece of worry, jealousy, little hatred or anger that sneaks in your mind, Every single one of our sins, little as they may seem to us, that's a brick on our side that keeps weighing us down. Jesus, however, puts himself on the other side of the scale. If he didn't do that, our sins would weigh us down all the way to hell. But Jesus sank down all the way to hell. And by that, raises us up to life with God so we can jump off the scale and be with God. God canceled the weight of our sin by Jesus' death. And then he proves that we have life with God by Jesus' resurrection. Did you ever wonder why during the Easter season we do not greet each other with the words, 
he rose. He rose indeed. Instead, we say he is risen. He is risen indeed. Do you ever wonder why we say it that way? That's because he is risen not only points to the historic fact time ago, but also underscores that the joy and certainty of Easter, that we live with God and Jesus because Jesus is alive, that goes on and on. He is risen. It happened, but it goes on and on. Then Peter adds this. I think we're at verse 15 by now. We are witnesses of this. Witnesses tell the truth. They're not supposed to make stuff up. The apostles were not suffering from some hallucination. They did not cook up some mass hoax. The facts of the resurrection were seen and witnessed by them and were as real as this crippled man leaping and jumping for joy. Peter goes on, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Easter is not some fictional novel or play or movie. It is a fact. And you can't undo that fact anymore that you can get in a time machine, go back in time, and shove Jesus in his tomb and make him stay there. You can't do that. Easter goes on and on because Easter happened. Ever feel like you want to sort of raise an eyebrow when you give someone a birthday gift and that person says, for me? Aren't you tempted to say, well, no. It's, I, it's, not, it's not for you. I just, I just happen to go to the store, shop around, buy the gift, wrap it up, put your name on it, and put it in your hands. But it's a, it's a mistake. It's not for you. It's for the neighbor next door. Well, duh! A birthday gift is for the birthday gal and the birthday guy. That's what it is for. But what if, what if that person, what if that person has been lazy or makes messes all the time or wastes money and still receives a gift? What if a person has been caught breaking company policy and still receives a bonus? What if someone who is close to you has disappointed you and made you feel insignificant and low and you still give that person a gift? Then, then the question would be logical. For me? You, you, you pounded on the hearts of the Israelites who were listening to the Apostle Peter. Fortunately, he went on at verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You're out walking on a hot 90-degree day pushing 95% humidity, your shirt sticks to your back, beads of sweat come up on your forehead and start dripping down. But then, you step into an air-conditioned mall. Ah! The heat of hell 
is far worse than a 90-degree day with 95% humility. But Jesus gives us times of refreshing. Like a breath of fresh air, the message of Easter comes to us, times of refreshing. And Peter then makes it personal for these people, touching their hearts by saying, so that your sins may be wiped out. Your sins may be wiped out. This is for you. And he's also touching my heart and your heart. When I fudge the truth, when I get caught thinking most about my stuff and ignoring others, when I nod at hearing God's truth, I've heard that stuff from Scripture before and a nod, but don't apply it to my own fears and worries and guilt, then I need to hear and listen to the Apostle. You, 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 Pastor Hebner. And I have to admit, I, I, I have handed Jesus over, disowned him, asked for a murder, killed the author of life. But the Apostle also states the facts. Jesus died and paid for all of my misdeeds and failures, and he paid for all of yours. And then he rose to prove that the Heavenly Father is not some grumpy, scruffy old man at the end of the block who tries to get kids to like him, bribing them with Easter candy. No, the Heavenly Father is a dear father who extends his arms to wayward children like us. He says, come. His smile is not candy. His arms are not money. His love is not a bribe. The Heavenly Father is smiling at you. He's extending his arms to you. He's calling you and gathering you in to be hugged by his love. Easter goes on and on because it happened for you personally. As far as I know, Everyone here today is a human being. I didn't notice any aliens come in today. We are all human beings, and that means we all know that all things will come to an end. In fact, this sermon eventually will end. This worship service will end. This day will end. The Easter season of the church year will end. The calendar year 2021 will end. Our life on earth will end. But Easter changes everything. Easter says, your life on earth will end, but your life with God will never end. Easter says, you have life with God. That's not a throwaway line. I just kind of put in the sermon and you've heard it before. You have life with God. My dear friends, do you understand the impact and the significance and the power of that statement? You have life with God. Picture the perfection, the joy, the acceptance, the love, the comfort, the peace, the security, the sense of fulfillment, the sense of worth that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden. That's what Easter guarantees for you. And Easter goes on and on because it happened. It's a fact. It's a fact for you. It's a fact that goes on and on. And Peter adds this in verse 20, that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus, that he may send 
the Messiah, that he may send? Well, I thought the Messiah has already been sent. Well, yes, he was sent the first time at Bethlehem. But what Peter is doing here is pointing us to the future. The Messiah will come again in glory. When he shows up in all his glory, we call it the last day. But last only for this created world. Not last for us. There will be more. There is a forever. The Holy Spirit caused this same apostle to write in his second letter these words. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be destroyed, will be laid bare. But in keeping with God's promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness lives. Peter lifts our eyes to heaven and to eternity. Easter goes on and on because it happened. It's a fact and it happened for you and for your forever. Martin Luther was summoned to appear before the emperor of all of Europe in a town by the name of Worms in Germany. He was led into the diet, that's a fancy word for an official meeting, and stood before all the politically and churchly powerful leaders of Germany. Huge hall, he's standing there by himself in the middle. There was a table in front of him, piled high with his writings and books. Two questions for Martin Luther. Did you write these? Second question, will you take them all back? The answer to the first question was simple. Yes. But Martin Luther asked for time to think about his answer to the second question. He was given 24 hours. The next day, he's standing again before the emperor and all these powerful people, all alone in the middle with all those books. That next day happened to be April 18th, 1521. 500 years ago today. Same two questions. Did you write these? And will you take them all back? His answer to the first question was the same as the day before. Yes. He responded to the second question. I am bound by the scriptures. My conscience is held captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not retract anything because it is neither right nor safe to go against conscience. I cannot do otherwise. Here I stand. God help me. Amen. Where did he get the courage? Martin Luther himself wrote a little bit later in a sermon based on Luke chapter 16, the story of the rich man and poor Lazarus. He wrote these words, The true, supreme, and best blessing is not temporal possessions, but the eternal blessing that God would forgive sin and eternally save us. To the one who properly appreciates this, everything else 
is a trifle. Even though he is poor, sick, despised, unfortunate, and burdened with all kinds of adversities, if he has no money and possessions, he knows nevertheless that he has a gracious God. If his body is weak and sick, he knows that he has eternal life. The same thing is true with respect to other temptations and burdens. He has this constant consolation only a short time and everything will be better and so much better that no one shall take my joy from me for through Christ I have a gracious God who is my Father and will take me to the eternal heritage. Have you been despised? Burdened? Unfortunate? With all sorts of adversities in life? Have you had financial struggles? Have you been weak or sick? Have you been bothered by worries on the inside? Burdened with the, everybody else's cares, complaints, and concerns that come your way? Easter, which is all joy and life with God, goes on and on for you. Christ is risen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, visit www.gracedowntown.org. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.